The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. Coming up this hour... The Bank of Japan shocks markets with a big policy pivot. The January 6th committee recommends severe punishment for former President Trump. FTX co-founder Sam Bankman-Fried could be on his way home from the Bahamas. And Twitter turmoil continues after Elon Musk stays silent over his role at the company. A Los Angeles jury finds disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein guilty of rape, plus protesters target a New York councilman for supporting Drag Story Hour. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Packers beat the Rams. The Islanders got shut out. The Red Hot Knicks holds Golden State tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. Stock Index futures are little change this morning. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg Radio. S&P futures, little change, so are Dow futures. NASDAQ futures lower down a quarter percent or 25 points. The DAX in Germany is down a quarter percent as well. And the 10-year Treasury down 20, 30 seconds, yield 3.66 percent. Nathan. Karen, we begin overseas with the Bank of Japan sparking big market moves this morning. In a hawkish shift, BOJ Governor Haruhiko Kuroda doubled a cap on 10-year yields paving the way for possible policy normalization under a new governor. The yen has strengthened sharply in response while government bonds slump. The Bank of Japan is billing the move as a way to enhance monetary easing, but Blue Bay Asset Management Portfolio Manager Russell Matthews says it could be the start of an exit from stimulus policy. Do we think that this is just an isolated move? Absolutely not. This is the beginning of normalization. Um, They've been increasingly struggling to hold um uh, uh you know the 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 hard policy mix the emergency policy mix that that that's now sort of changed um and we're on the we're on the pathway to normalization um and the market is going to be pretty volatile as we progress along that path Russell Matthews, along with others at Blue Bay, have long predicted the BOJ's hawkish shift. And taking a look at the yen right now, it is stronger against the dollar by three and a half percent at one thirty two point three two. Well, Nathan, trading in the Asia-Pacific overnight was dominated by the BOJ News. And let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Annabelle Droolers in Sydney. What policymakers are now going to allow is the 10-year yield to reach 0.5% on its trading band. That had previously been set the upper limit at 0.25%, so a huge change for us. Yields moving higher, stocks slumping across the board, particularly in those sectors that are more sensitive to rising yields, like property, tech stocks, financials, though, absolutely jumping with the likes of Mitsubishi, UFJ. That's a huge 
average lender there in Japan, rising by the most in six years. Otherwise, the major story in markets today was what's happening in China. We are continuing to monitor that COVID outbreak there. We did see the CSI 300 trading in the red. In Sydney, I'm Annabelle Drulas, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Annabelle, thanks. Let's stay overseas for another story out of Asia. Social media posts in China signal COVID deaths may be much higher than Beijing's official count. Now China confirms it has changed the method for counting fatalities, narrowing the definition of a COVID death. China reported just five fatalities tied to the virus today. Well, bond yields across the globe are rising this morning, Nathan, thanks to that policy shift from the Bank of Japan. And U.S. stock index futures are a little changed after four days of losses initially propelled by hawkish rhetoric from the Fed. Optimism about a policy pivot could finally be waning. But if not, and stocks push higher, former New York Fed President Bill Dudley said that could lead to more tightening. The market thinks that the Fed will blink once the unemployment rate starts going up. So the market is basically saying that the Fed doesn't mean what it says. They're saying this to try to talk tough, but when the going gets difficult, the Fed will fold. I don't believe that. I think Powell's going to do what he says. And former New York Fed governor and Bloomberg opinion columnist Bill Dudley made the comments on Bloomberg Surveillance. Catch the program weekday mornings on Bloomberg Radio and Television or subscribe to the daily Bloomberg Surveillance podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Turning to politics now, Karen, we have major developments centered on Donald Trump. A House committee has recommended the former president be prosecuted for his role in the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol. This marks the first ever such referral of a former president after a 17-month investigation. Democratic Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin says Trump would be disqualified from holding office if convicted. The committee has developed significant evidence that President Trump intended to disrupt the peaceful transfer, transition of power under our Constitution. Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin says former President Trump failed in his constitutional duty. Well, turning from politics to crypto now, Nathan, it was a wild day in court for former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, who could now be headed back to the U.S. sooner than we thought. And Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with that story. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Mixed messages took center stage in court with Bankman-Fried and his attorney not on the same page. SBF said in court he was ready to face the music in the U.S., but at the same hearing, his local lawyer said he was unaware of the plan. Later in the day, Jaron Roberts appeared to reverse himself, telling reporters Bankman-Fried would not fight extradition to the U.S., where he faces charges of fraud over the sudden collapse of FTX. Last week, he vowed to fight extradition, but sources tell Bloomberg the change in heart is in part motivated by the expectation that he will be able to get bail here in the U.S. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. And it wouldn't be a day in December if we didn't have more news on Twitter. The latest development has Elon Musk saying the company will now limit voting on Twitter policy matters to blue members. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. This coming after 57% of the respondents to his poll about whether he should step down said yes. Musk does say that this was in response to somebody who had messaged him earlier in the day. Now, there were more than 10 million votes saying that he should relinquish his role. Musk also tweeted that nobody wanted his job and that it would be impossible to find a successor, although he didn't directly address whether he was going to step down. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Ed, thanks. S&P futures right now down four points. Dow futures higher by six. NASDAQ futures lower by 30 points, and the 10-year Treasury is down 21, 30 seconds. Now the yield, 3.66%. Yield on the two-year, 4.27%. The yen, 132.41 against the dollar. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
607 on Wall Street, 32 degrees in Central Park. Looking for sunshine and a high near 40 today. Getting down to the upper 20s tonight with clear to partly cloudy conditions. Let's bring in Michael Barr for a look at what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Los Angeles jurors found disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein guilty of rape and sexual assault of one of the four accusers he was charged with abusing. Weinstein was found guilty after a woman said he appeared uninvited at her hotel room door during a Los Angeles film festival in 2013. Weinstein, who is two years into a 23-year sentence for rape and sexual assault conviction in New York, could get up to 24 years in prison in California when he's sentenced. New York Council Member Eric Macher says he was targeted by a group that calls itself Gays Against Groomers. Botcher says over the weekend they protested outside the drag story hour in which a person in drag reads children's books to kids at a public library in Chelsea. It's a very successful and popular program around the country. Unfortunately, on the Internet, there are these very dark and unhinged uh, memes that really have convinced some of these people that children are being sexually groomed. Pancho says two of the protesters arrested made it as far as the lobby in his apartment building. Congressman-elect George Santos of Long Island, who helped Republicans flip a House seat, is now in the hot seat. The New York Times report is now calling into question parts of his resume. On the campaign trail, Santos touted his experience as a Wall Street financier, but the Times now reports that Santos never worked at Goldman Sachs, as he claimed. His opponent in last month's race, Robert Zimmerman. The House Ethics Committee has got to investigate these allegations. An attorney for Santos fired back, saying George Santos represents the kind of progress that the left is so threatened by, a gay Latino immigrant and Republican. A dedication ceremony was held in Central Park for a group of black and Hispanic men who became known as the Central Park Five. An entrance to the park was renamed as the Gate of Exonerated in honor of the five men wrongly convicted for a 1989 attack and rape in the park. New York Mayor Eric Adams. Uh, We should be having school trips to talk about this story. The men were cleared in 2002. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 6.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. Knicks and Rangers have both won seven in a row and look to keep the streaks going tonight at the Garden. Knicks and Warriors, always a hot ticket when Golden State comes in, although no Steph Curry and the Warriors are under 500. The Rangers play in Pittsburgh. Islanders were at Colorado scoreless through 65 minutes and then only one goal scored in the shootout and the Avs won one nothing. Isles got 46 saves from Ilya Sorokin, but they've now lost four of their last five. Rams and Packers, Good to be two of the best of the NFC. They are certainly not. Green Bay in 15-degree weather won 24-12. The Rams, with their 10th loss, tie the record for most defeats by a defending Super Bowl champion. Short work week for the Jets. They host Jacksonville Thursday. If Mike White can't play, it'll be Zach Wilson against the Jags. Trevor Lawrence, they were the first two picks of the 2021 draft. Lawrence has been playing great for Jacksonville. His only game out of first place. But Wilson returned Sunday due to White's injury. He wasn't as bad as he was before he got benched, but he certainly made some mistakes. His coach is Robert Sala. This kid's going to be a good quarterback. Um, 
the the NFL and this this new instant coffee world that we're in just does not want to give people time. And uh, and so we look at him, and he is just nitpicked with it uh, and just with a fine tooth comb everything that he does pretty much must win for the Jets Thursday if they hope to make the playoffs at City Field the Mets introduced their new Japanese import Kodai Senga Seth Lugo pitched out of the Mets bullpen the past seven years he signed with San Diego Tom Browning who pitched for Cincinnati for 11 years once through a perfect game has passed away Browning was 62 John Stashower Bloomberg Sports Nathan all right John thanks and Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model You've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Right now, S&P futures are down two points. Dow futures up 22. NASDAQ futures are lower by 24 points. The real actions in the Treasury and currency markets this morning. The 10-year is down 21. 30 seconds yield 3.66%. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager, continuing to look at the market reaction following the surprise announcement from the Bank of Japan raising, doubling the cap on 10-year yields uh, in a uh, move that was expected after the next governor of the Bank of Japan is seated. Let's bring in Liz Ann Saunders to get her reaction to this, chief investment strategist at Charles Schwab. Liz Ann, good morning. We're seeing a big move in the yen this morning and a sell-off in U.S. Treasuries. What do you make of this BOJ decision? Well, it was it was clearly a, a surprise. It, they, you know, Japan represented an outlier in terms of tighter monetary policy. We saw already the reaction by by the yen and uh, and yields. But I, I I think that it just puts you know one last bit of further pressure up on global rates. And what a lot of people don't realize is if you correlate the U.S. economy, that's my bailiwick, obviously to rates, there's a higher correlation between the U.S. economy and global rates than there is between the U.S. economy and U.S. rates. So you're just not adding another central bank into the mix here. Okay, so what kind of pressure could we see on Treasury yields going forward? What kind of steepening do you think we could be in for in 2023? Well, I, and, and I'm not. You, you guys have had on Kathy Jones, my my counterpart. She's mm-hmm. our our fixed income uh, strategist. I, I, you know, spend my day mostly in the the equity world. But we actually, you know, her group has been suggesting lengthening duration uh, in, under the view that even if, and even based on what the Fed has said, the the terminal rate may be slightly higher than what was expected pre FOMC meeting. I think the market across both fixed income and equities is now pricing in a weaker economy and probably a more definitive recession, which then eventually puts some uh, maybe further downward pressure on yield. So near term, we would expect uh, more inversion, but then you'll start to see the potential of, uh, of the recession get priced in uh, across the curve. Well, what are the implications then for equities? As you say, they are your bailiwick. If we see further weakness in the dollar, the f- uh, further flight potentially uh, into the yen, what could that potentially mean uh, for U.S. equities? Well, we, we know the impact uh, that 
the strong dollar has had on equities. There's a lot of other factors, obviously, that that, that drove equities into the bear market, um, somewhat related to the stronger dollar with the aggressiveness of the Fed, the pace at which they've been raising interest rates. The dollar uh, strength worked its way into lower corporate earnings, at least for multinational companies, because for every one dollar move higher in uh, the dollar, you you tend. To, I mean, one percent move higher in the dollar, you tend to get get about half of that down in terms of earnings estimates. A bit of a stability and or weakness in the dollar could be a positive feeder into earnings forecast. But there are a lot of other downward pressures on earnings forecast looking into 2023. So maybe if we see a weaker dollar, it can be at least a marginal uh, benefit to corporate earnings. But when you add into the mix just the deterioration in the economy, the increase in unit labor costs, lower productivity, waning top-line growth tied to inflation having rolled over, uh, I think the path of least resistance for forward estimates is still quite a bit down. Does this have any effect on the Fed to have one more central bank potentially in the hawkish camp with so many other central banks now? I I don't think so. Uh, Maybe on the margin they pay attention to it, but there's very little, if any, reference typically to what other central banks are doing. So, no, I would would not. I I think the path they're on is the path they're on. I'm not sure this announcement today by Corona really moves the needle all that much for the Fed. All right. Well, we do have uh, more data for this data-dependent Fed. We get uh, new housing information later. I was looking at your Twitter feed, noting that uh, home builder sentiment is near its COVID low. What are you expecting from the housing starts that we get today? So I don't, I don't try to forecast, you know, individual economic numbers, but the housing data has been absolutely abysmal. You know, for all the debate about recession, no recession, there's no question pockets of the economy are in recession and a pretty ugly recession housing and many housing related areas being one of them. When you look at the plunge in something like the IHB housing market index, it, it does start to look like, okay, how much worse can it get from here? Not to try to call a bottom there. And because that's a sentiment indicator that tends to lead other areas, whether it's building permits, whether it's uh, housing starts. So before you get any meaningful lift in something like housing starts, building permits, you probably want or need to see a bit more stabilization in that leading indicator of, uh, of housing market sentiment. We're certainly not there yet. Thanks, as always, Lizanne. Great having you on with us this morning. Lizanne Saunders, Chief Investment Strategist at Charles Schwab. Right now, uh, S&P futures are little changed to the downside. Dow futures are still higher by 32 points. That's a gain of a tenth percent. NASDAQ futures still lower, down 19 points, a decline of two-tenths percent there. The uh, 10-year Treasury is down 21.30 seconds. Yield on the benchmark 10-year note, 3.66%. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Tape. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. And futures are a little changed this morning. The 10-year Treasury is down 21.30 seconds, yield 3.66%. Yield on the two-year, 4.27%. And IMEX crude oil is up one and a third percent, up $1 at $76.19 a barrel. The yen this morning... 
It is at 132.36, jumping against the dollar of 3.4%. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. A House committee recommended that Donald Trump be prosecuted for his role in the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol, the first ever such referral of a former president. Representative Jamie Raskin said it would disqualify Trump from holding office if convicted. The Supreme Court granted a temporary stay on the immigration restriction known as Title 42. It was expiring tomorrow, but 19 Republican-led states filed an appeal. Monday Night Football, the Packers beat the Rams 24-12. In the NHL, the Islanders lost in a shootout to the Avalanche 1-zip. The Capitals and Bruins were winners. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. It's 623 on Wall Street. I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's get more now on that recommendation from the January 6th committee that Donald Trump, the former president, be prosecuted for alleged crimes tied to the insurrection at the Capitol. Committee members voted unanimously that the former president should face four federal criminal charges linked to efforts to overturn the 2020 election. For the legal perspective on this situation, let's hear from former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin as the committee prepares to hand over its evidence that they've collected over the past 17 months. Michael Zeldin sat down with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew to discuss what comes next. Let's listen in. What does DOJ do when all of this material arrives? They read it and they assess it and they evaluate it in relationship to the material that they are themselves independently gathering in their grand jury investigation. And then in the review process, they make determinations as to whether or not they believe they have a prosecutable case that they can win at trial and sustain on appeal. And if so, then they make a decision whether to charge. And do you have a gut check after everything you've heard here? Or give us a sense of the the competing cultures between DOJ and Congress. They've got their own investigation going. They're potentially learning more than the committee did. Except that they don't have to prove anything beyond a reasonable doubt. They just have to have evidence that they feel is sufficient to justify a referral. Mm -hmm. The Justice Department then has to be able to marshal that evidence and the facts supporting it to have a jury reach a verdict beyond a reasonable doubt. So it's a different standard that each has. That said, of course, they're looking at the same category of witnesses and they're gathering the same types of testimony, with the big difference being that DOJ, because of its subpoena power in in the context of a criminal investigation, has been able to breach the stonewalling of false claims of executive privilege. So they've been getting the testimony that the Congress could not get. So they've got stuff that's additive to what the Congress was not able to get. How much of this is about Donald Trump versus his co-conspirators? John Eastman was named by the committee today. Others were listed uh, in the summary of the forthcoming report. Are they all in really big trouble, or is this a Donald Trump story? They've alleged conspiracies here, and conspiracies require more than one person. And so... Uh There are people here who have jeopardy, and, uh, you know, I expect are represented by hopefully good lawyers because the system works best when everyone has good lawyers. And I think that there are a lot of people who are going to be facing very difficult decisions about whether to fight this or begin now to cooperate. There's a category of crimes here or potential crimes here that hasn't been explicitly 
set forth in the report, but which are implied in the report, which is suborning perjury and witness tampering. And that's the testimony. Some people like Hope Hicks said that before she testified, she got a call which said, essentially, he's watching. He can help you. You know, you can not recall things, even if you recall them. Mm -hmm. That stuff, if provable are very serious charges against lawyers for suborning the perjury and for witness tampering for those who gave the directions to pass along the will protect you if you do the right thing. And if they have evidence sufficient of, uh, to that, then I think you're going to see a lot of people rushing to cooperate. That's former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin speaking with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Stay with us for more legal analysis of this story as it continues to develop and catch more conversations like this one on the Daily Sound On podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. We're going to check in live with Joe Matthew to get more on the fallout from that January 6th decision. First, we get a look at today's Bloomberg weather forecast. Sunshine will be considerable today thanks to high pressure off to our west. Temperatures will be up close to 40 degrees this afternoon. will stay in the 30s later today in the suburbs. Clear tonight, 25 to 30. North and west of town, it's probably dropping into the teens overnight. High pressure will bring us sunshine tomorrow too. 40. Rain arrives Thursday afternoon. Highs close to 45. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. <laughs> Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Coming up to 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by IBKR. Investment advisors switch to interactive brokers for lowest cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges and no conflicts of your interests at IBKR.com slash RIA. Up first, Bank of Japan Governor Haruhiku Kuroda shocked markets overnight by adjusting the central bank's yield curve control program and Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Anchor Brian Curtis has the details. The shocking move sparked a massive jump in the yen and a big drop in the Nikkei. The BOJ will now allow Japan's 10-year bond yields to rise to about half a percentage point. That's up from the previous upper limit of a quarter percentage point. The central bank kept its target on the yield unchanged at around 0% and left its short-term interest rate at minus 0.1%. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thanks. And taking a look at the yen right now is at 132.35 against the dollar. Well, in Japan, I'm sorry, in China, Karen, social media posts are signaling that COVID deaths may be much higher than Beijing's official count. And now China confirms it has changed the method for counting its fatalities, narrowing the definition of a COVID death. Just today, China reported only five fatalities tied to the virus. Well, back in the U.S., Nathan, futures are little changed after four days of losses initially propelled by hawkish Fed rhetoric. Bets on a recession are ramping up, but former New York Fed President Bill Dudley says he expects a downturn to be relatively controlled. I don't expect a recession quite yet. I think the economy still has considerable forward momentum. I think the recession, when it finally does occur, uh, will be mild. This is a recession, if it occurs, it's completely induced by the Fed to generate more slack in the labor market. 
Former New York Fed Governor and Bloomberg Opinion columnist Bill Dudley made the comments on Bloomberg Survey Lunch. Catch the program weekday mornings on Bloomberg Radio and Television. In politics, Karen, a House committee has recommended former President Donald Trump be prosecuted for his role in the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol, marking the first ever such referral of a former president. On a decision on whether to prosecute lies with the Justice Department. And from politics to crypto, Nathan, it was a wild day in court for Sam Bankman-Fried. The former FTX CEO could be headed back to the U.S. sooner than we thought. A Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with more. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. It's never a good sign when the attorney and the defendant are not on the same page. That scenario unfolded in court yesterday when Bankman-Fried said he was ready to waive his right to fight extradition to the U.S. The change of heart, though, caught his local lawyer off guard who said he was not aware of the plan. Jerome Roberts later in the day told reporters Bankman-Fried would not fight extradition to the U.S., where he's charged with fraud related to the collapse of FTX. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Steve, thank you. That's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers and S&P Futures. Right now, our little change to the upside. Dow futures are higher by 40 points. NASDAQ futures are lower by 11. Local headlines and a check of sports next. This is Bloomberg. And 631 on Wall Street now, Michael Barr is back with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein has been convicted by a Los Angeles jury of three more sexual assault charges involving a former Italian actress in 2013. The jury could not agree on other charges involving other accusers, including one represented by attorney Gloria Allred, who says her client, though, is focused on the guilty verdict. She feels that that was justice. So she's thinking of others in addition to herself. Weinstein is already serving a 23-year sentence in New York. Drag Story Hour and a New York City council member who supports it are the latest targets of protests. Councilman Eric Botcher says protesters galvanized by online conspiracy theories tried to disrupt the weekend reading event at a New York City public library in Chelsea. Botcher also says two protesters made it into the lobby of his apartment nearby. It's a really disgusting conspiracy theory that people have latched onto, and it's they're, they're really taking this way too far. Police arrested two protesters for trespassing. The Supreme Court is temporarily blocking an order that would lift pandemic-era restrictions on asylum seekers. However, it is leaving open the prospect of lifting the restrictions by tomorrow on Title 42. Doctors say more people die from heart attacks between December 25th and January 1st compared to any other week of the year. The leading factors include family stress, unhealthy eating, and excessive alcohol, which can result in holiday heart syndrome. That's when binge drinking causes irregular heartbeats. Dr. Eugene Yang is a cardiologist at UW Medicine. It's not just an issue that holiday heart is a benign condition. It actually is a very potentially serious condition that causes people to develop heart failure symptoms. Dr. Yang, Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tech, powered by more than 2,700 journalists, analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 6.33 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, chilly night in Green Bay, and the Packers kept their faint playoff hopes alive. Beat the Rams 24-12. to Aaron Rodgers now won nine straight Monday nighters. Baker Mayfield, the Rams' new quarterback, did better when he hadn't practiced with them a week after he debuted with a comeback win. Mayfield threw an interception, got sacked five times. The next game is Thursday. 
Jets to the much-improved Jaguars at MetLife, where the Jets just lost to Detroit. A lot of criticism of Jets coach Robert Sala for faulty clock management during the Jets' final drive. I was trying to beat New York on the challenge, and that's the one I overthought. It didn't matter. We're not playing for downs at this situation. Um, we're playing for time. And um, and when you look at it all, uh, I definitely probably cost us one more snap uh, in that in that tra- transaction. So I'm... Uh, Something that I definitely need to be better at. Definitely overthought it, and uh, I wish I could have that one back. Had the Jets had more time, they could have gained some more yards, and their game-time field goal attempt might not have had to be a 58-yarder. A lot of talk also about the end of that Giants win at Washington. The commander's upset about an illegal formation penalty that wiped out a touchdown and then a non-pass interference call on their last play. The Giants visit Minnesota Saturday. Philadelphia visits Dallas. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts may not play. Got an injured shoulder. Islanders lost at Colorado, one nothing in a shootout. The Rangers play tonight in Pittsburgh. Rangers have won seven straight, and so have the Knicks. They host Golden State. Today's a national holiday in Argentina as they honor the World Cup champions. John Stashdale, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. And Bloomberg Sports, John, was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. 635 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KRLD in Dallas. The child care industry is bracing for the end of pandemic assistance. I'm Steve Potisk on WFLA Tampa Bay. We're talking about local financial services firm Dynasty Financial Partners nixing its plans to go public. I'm Caroline Hetk on Bloomberg DAB Radio in London. We've been reporting on the market fallout from the Bank of Japan's decision to loosen its yield curve control. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting two new Amazon Fresh locations in the area have been identified. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 636 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. There's no climate security for the world without a protected Amazon, Brazil's president-elect Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva told a cheering crowd at climate talks in Egypt last month. He's right. Limiting global warming requires saving the planet's largest rainforest, which shriveled under outgoing President Jair Bolsonaro. After the previous government's neglect, Lula deserves credit for putting the Amazon back on the agenda, but he has little time to waste. His first priority should be to revive forest oversight agencies, expand protections for indigenous people and lands, and crack down on surging violence in the Amazon region. That will require Lula to reach beyond his core supporters and persuade a broad cross-section of Brazilians to embrace a greener future. If Brazil's president-elect hopes to halt deforestation in the Amazon, he can't do it alone. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Another story of import just crossed the Bloomberg Terminal moments ago. Under regulatory pressure and the threat of lawsuits that could bring billions of dollars in damages, 3M just announced that it will stop making so-called forever chemicals and discontinue their use by the end of 2025. The industrial conglomerate says the move will mean pre-tax charges of $1.3 to $2.3 billion. 
uh, Forever Chemicals were first created in researching the atomic bomb in World War II. They helped 3M develop hundreds of different products over more than 70 years, including Scotchgard. But now they are a potential liability for 3M that could reach $30 billion. Futures little changed ahead of the open. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Tape. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And S&P futures are little changed this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Ken. That's right. U.S. futures are quiet right now. Dow futures higher by 19 points. S&Ps are down two, and NASDAQ futures are lower by 23. The U.S. 10 yield at 3.65%. Gold is up 20. Oil is also in the green. And Bitcoin is trading higher by 1.2%. Japan fell 2.5% overnight as the BOJ adjusted its yield curve control program. And European markets are trading quiet this morning. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, housing starts and building permits. And regarding earnings, look for General Mills to report in the pre-market. Nike and FedEx both report after the bell. Wrapping things up, Spirit Air was cut to hold at Deutsche Bank. Siena was raised overweight over at J.P. Morgan. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you to hear live breaking news of your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Karen, thank you very much. The House January 6th Committee is urging the Justice Department to bring criminal charges against former President Donald Trump for the violent 2021 Capitol riot. The bipartisan panel says Trump and his associates helped him launch a pressure campaign to try to overturn his 2020 election loss. A jury in Los Angeles found disgraced film producer Harvey Weinstein guilty of three counts of sexual assault, including rape. Monday Night Football, the Packers beat the Rams 24-12. In the NHL, the Islanders lost in a shootout to the Avalanche, one zip. The Capitals and Bruins were winners. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Karen. All right, Michael Barr, thank you. It is 642 on Wall Street, and let's turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It's brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT offers New Jersey's first undergraduate degree in fintech, tech-driven, finance-focused. What will you make at NJIT? Learn more at njit.edu slash fintech. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Ukraine reached a deal with Elon Musk's SpaceX to receive thousands more Starlink antennas to help counter Russian air attacks, according to a top government official. More than 10,000 of the devices, which provide Internet service beamed down from satellites, will be sent to Ukraine in the coming months. Two people who hacked Yahoo email accounts to gain access to Ring home security cameras have been charged over a week-long swatting spree. They placed 12 hoax calls taunting police. And the swatting incidents prompted the FBI to issue PSAs in late 2020, urging users of smart home security cameras to use unique passwords with two-factor authentication. 
And Mercedes is launching five electric models to embed itself in a popular electric vehicle SUV market. By the end of next year, the carmaker plans to have an all-electric version of every model in its portfolio. By 2030, it aims to sell only EVs in countries that have enough charters to make that feasible. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. The switch continues. All right, Karen, thank you. We're coming up to 644 on Wall Street. Time to switch gears and check what's going on in D.C., where the top stories include a unanimous January 6th committee recommending criminal charges for former President Donald Trump. Also making news, a huge spending bill just released on Capitol Hill ahead of a year-end deadline. President Biden condemning anti-Semitism as, quote, violent venom at a Hanukkah event. And the White House now pleading for border cash with migrant limits in limbo. Let's bring in Joe Matthew now, our Washington correspondent, host of Sound On on Bloomberg Radio. Joe, good morning. History was made yesterday, and it seems as though the House January 6th committee had that in mind. Well, that's right. They completed their work 17 months and more than a thousand witnesses. It's pretty remarkable. And I was in the room for this final meeting. It was very brief, Nathan, just about an hour long. And you could hear a pin drop as this panel rolled out its recommendation for the Department of Justice to bring criminal charges against not only Donald Trump. That would be unprecedented, of course, an unprecedented referral. It would be an unprecedented follow up if they, in fact, did indict either a former or sitting president. We've never seen either happen. But there were other names there as well, including John Eastman, Donald Trump's former lawyer who, who crafted the whole plan to uh, include alternate slates of electors. They were both named in the room inside the report that they dropped. Others, including Rudy Giuliani, were also referred for criminal charges. Now, as we've said over the last weeks, Joe, this is a recommendation. It's mm-hmm. not something that's actually going to lead to charges. But what's your sense about whether this puts more pressure on the Justice Department? Well, it does. I mean, the fact that this happened yesterday is important. It's not going, to your point, lead to any sort of formal indictment or, or, or formal charges. That was not the point of this committee. In fact, they argued at some point internally about whether this should happen The idea of the committee was to lay down uh, for history, for posterity, exactly what happened on the 6th, why it happened, how it happened. So people 100 years from now could go back and read this account. But, of course, we've got this new layer here, and it is important as the Justice Department continues its own investigation. This is adding essentially to what DOJ already has. And, of course, look, it's not like this hasn't been on television and, and, and made public here. So they've got a good sense of what's going on. But... It adds pressure to DOJ to do something, remembering that this case has a special counsel attached to it. They are well down the road in their own investigation and will likely uh, factor in some of what came from the committee here. But keep in mind, this special counsel could also unearth information that the committee, Nathan, never had. And, And potentially adding to the pressure on the former president, not just this report and these referrals, but we've got a decision coming from another committee on what to do about the former president's tax returns. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty big deal today. In fact, it, it, it should coincide with the start of Sound On. So I'll invite everyone oh, to join us about that? around 5 <laughs> o'clock Washington time because the House Ways and Means Committee is going to gavel into session later in the afternoon, and then they're expected to go behind closed doors to talk about and potentially vote on releasing, and it is expected that they will, releasing at least portions of Donald Trump's tax returns uh, that, that the Supreme Court 
handed over to Ways and Means a couple of weeks ago. Now, you look at the calendar here, they don't have a lot of time. So it was unclear exactly what they were going to do with this. The idea originally was that they could craft some sort of legislation that would force presidential candidates to reveal their tax returns and so forth. But now Richie Neal, the chair of Ways and Means, is sitting on this pile of information they've been seeking for years. It is likely, as I mentioned, that at least some of it will be released publicly. Even Nancy Pelosi, though, when asked about it, couldn't say. This is not something that she uh, she knew about and or, or had seen herself. Ways and means will make that call. And my goodness, this is something that Donald Trump has been trying to prevent for years, not yeah. only because it might show he doesn't pay taxes, Nathan, but that he is nowhere near as wealthy as he claims to be. And uh, speaking of a pile of information, boy, did we get one overnight with the release finally yeah. of a full year spending bill. This thing's a brick, Joe. That's <laughs> true. One point seven trillion dollars. The omnibus that will likely uh, pass, and in, 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 as opposed to a short-term CR that would kick us into the new year, uh, there, a lot of work went into this over the weekend. Uh, we knew that there was a deal on the top line. Now we've got the language underneath, and it sets up a Senate vote for Thursday. That's likely how this is going to go. Nathan, based on everything we've talked about so far, I'll point you to the Electoral Count Act. There is an agreement uh, between the leaders to include this in the omnibus that would essentially prevent another January 6th. It's not a comprehensive voting reform bill, but it removes the vice president from the role that you remember Mike Pence played on January 6th a couple of years ago in certifying the election to pre- essentially prevent another coup from happening and streamlining that process to make it much more difficult to try to challenge a presidential election. That's going to be in this bill as well, which is a big deal. Yeah, it is one of those reforms that Democrats particularly were pushing for uh, following the events of January 6th. Thanks for this. As always, Joe yes, Matthew, host of Sound On, which you can catch every weekday afternoon at 5 p.m. Wall Street time across Bloomberg Radio. As Joe mentioned, lots of reasons to tune in this afternoon, particularly with that decision expected from House Ways and Means on the former president's tax returns. Read much more about all these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. You can listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington. Washington at Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Right now, S&P futures, little change to lower now. Dow futures uh, eking a gain up 33 points or a tenth percent. NASDAQ futures down two tenths percent, down 21 points. The 10-year Treasury uh, down 17 30 seconds. So off the session lows, the yield now at 3.64 percent. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And S&P futures are lower this morning. They're down about a tenth of a percent or about five points. Dow futures are a little changed. And NASDAQ futures down three-tenths percent or 33 points. The DAX in Germany is down four-tenths of a percent. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. The 10-year Treasury down 17.30 seconds. Yield 3.64 percent. And the yield on the two-year 4.26 percent. NYMEX crude oil is on the rise up one and a third percent of a dollar. It's $76.19 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 1.1 percent or twenty dollars ten cents at eighteen seventeen eighty an ounce the euro one point oh six four one against the dollar british pound one point two one six eight the yen is jumping up three point four percent against the dollar at one thirty two point three seven 
And Bitcoin this morning up 1.2% at about $16,800. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan. All right, Karen. Thank you to 656 on Wall Street. Bloomberg surveillance is straight ahead. But first, we're prying Bloomberg Radio and TV markets correspondent Kriti Gupta's eyes away from the move in the yen to give us a look at what's happening in the uh, stock market in the pre-market trade. Uh, Are we seeing any movement from the Bank of Japan decision uh, in equities this morning? We absolutely are. And this is where my two worlds collide on FX and stocks, and it's the best. You actually look at the Japanese uh, equity ETF. EWJ is the ticker. Uh, shares are up about 1.8% in the pre-market. So you are seeing those Japanese ETFs uh, really skyrocket here. And it's important to keep in mind that the ADRs are probably going to as well once the normal trading session actually opens. Keep an eye on uh, just how big this move is because what it'll do then is disincentivize uh, any kind of funds into the U.S. equity market because the Japanese equity market is performing so strongly. It's kind of a little bit of a trade-off similar to the way you're going to see a trade-off in dollar-yen and the currency pair. Nathan, this is a very exciting story for a lot of the folks who who bet that at some point the BOJ was going to crack. Yeah, one more central bank joining the parade, maybe a little bit earlier than a lot of economists were expecting. And, you know, one thing that we've been talking about over the last few days is Morgan Stanley moving individual stocks. They're back at it again this morning. They are back at it again this morning. ConAgra Brands uh, in the crosshairs of Morgan Stanley. CAG is the ticker, up about three-tenths of one percent in the pre-market, which doesn't sound like a lot. But given the fact that the market is slightly lower and you're seeing low volume across the board, we'll call it a little bit of a win here. Upgraded to overweight over at the firm. The Morgan Stanley expecting the packaged food sector broadly to maintain its relative outperformance through 2023. It's also raising J.M. Schmucker. S.J.M. is your ticker there to equal weight. Um, we're not seeing a ton of trading in that name just yet, but ConAgra Brands already seeing some movement, Nathan. Yeah, wait till lunchtime for the peanut butter and jelly crowd to move <laughs> in on that. What else are you looking at this morning, Kitty? Uh, Lucid is one thing that's catching my eye. It's a shame Ed Ludlow, our Bloomberg Technology correspondent, isn't actually here uh, to talk about it this morning. LCID is your ticker ticker up about 4.8% in the pre-market. This comes after the company said it's completed its stock sale program and raised, get this, Nathan, $1.5 billion. Uh, oh, that's this, enough. Yeah, and just just enough to, <laughs> to cover the bills, to pay sure. the bills. Um, <laughs> just enough uh, in time, by the way, I should say, when no one's really doing a ton of stock raising right now, especially in this kind of market where the equity market is uh, taking such a massive hit. Lucid Group, nevertheless, uh, really able to shore up their balance sheet there. Um, I'll leave you with one more. Verona Pharma, V-R-N-A, is your ticker. This is a massive move. Shares surging about 34%, excuse me, in U.S. pre-market trading. The drug developer achieving positive results in their phase three trial, evaluating nebulized something. I'm just going to skip right over that word um, (laughs) for the maintenance treatment of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. That's a lot of jargon for they got uh, positive results on a disease drug. Yeah, very important news in the pharma space. Thanks, as always, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta looking under a little change stock market. 6.59 on Wall Street. I'm Nathan Hager with Karen Moscow. Bloomberg Surveillance starts right now. Live from the financial capital of the world, broadcasting across the globe, this is WBBR New York, Bloomberg 1130. The market is convinced and won't be dissuaded, I don't think, in a hurry from the idea that the economy... 
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.